O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, April 11th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Tazria, and it means, She Conceived. Leviticus 12, 1-8 Hashem spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to B'nai Israel thus, When a woman at childbirth bears a male, she shall be unclean seven days. She shall be unclean as at the time of her menstrual infirmity. On the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. She shall remain in a state of blood purification for thirty-three days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing, nor enter the sanctuary until her period of purification is completed. If she bears a female, she shall be unclean two weeks as during her menstruation, and she shall remain in a state of blood purification for sixty-six days. On the completion of her period of purification, for either son or daughter she shall bring to the Kohen at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb in its first year for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. He shall offer it before Hashem and make expiation on her behalf. She shall then be clean from her flow of blood. Such are the rituals concerning her who bears a child, male or female. If, however, her means do not suffice for a sheep, 
She shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. The Kohen shall make expiation on her behalf, and she shall be clean. Joshua chapter 3, 1 to 4, 24. Early next morning Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and marched to the Jordan. They did not cross immediately, but spent the night there. Three days later the officials went through the camp and charged the people as follows. When you see the Aron Brit Hasham, the Ark, your God, being born by the Levitical Kohanim, you shall move forward, follow it, but keep a distance of some two thousand amot from it, never coming any closer to it, so that you may know by what route to march, since it is a road you have not traveled before. And Joshua said to the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow Hashem will perform wonders in your midst. Then Joshua ordered the Kohenim, Take up the Aron Habrit, the ark, and advance to the head of the people. And they took up the Aron Habrit, the ark, and marched at the head of the people. Hashem said to Joshua, This day, for the first time, I will exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they shall know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. For your part, command the Kohenim who carry the Aron Habrit as follows. When you reach the edge of the waters of the Jordan, make a halt in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the Israelites, Come closer and listen to the words of Hashem your God. By this, Joshua continued, you shall know that a living Hashem is among you, and that he will dispossess for you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. The Aron Brit, the sovereign of all the earth, is advancing before you into the Jordan. Now select twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. When the feet of the Kohenim bearing the ark, the sovereign of all the earth, came, come to rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan, the water coming from upstream, will be cut off and will stand in a single heap. When the people set out from their encampment to cross the Jordan, the Kohenim bearing the ark were at the head of the people. Now the Jordan keeps flowing over its entire bed throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the bearers of the ark reached the Jordan, and the feet of the Kohenim bearing the ark dipped into the water at its edge, the waters coming down from upstream piled up in a single heap a great way off at Adam the town next to Zarathon, and those flowing away downstream to the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, ran out completely. So the people crossed near Jericho. The Kohinim who bore the Aron Brit Hashem stood on dry land exactly in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed over on dry land until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. When the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, Hashem said to Joshua, Select twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and instruct them as follows. 
pick up 12 stones from the spot exactly in the middle of the Jordan where the Kohanim feet are standing. Take them along with you and deposit them in the place where you will spend the night. Joshua summoned the twelve men whom he had designated among the Israelites, one from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Walk up to the ark of Hashem, your God, in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, corresponding to the number of the tribes of Israel. This shall serve as a symbol among you in time to come when your children ask, What is the meaning of these stones for you? You shall tell them, The waters of the Jordan were cut off because of the Aron Brit Hashem when it passed through the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And so, these stones shall serve the people of Israel as a memorial for all time. The Israelites did as Joshua ordered. They picked up twelve stones corresponding to the number of the tribes of Israel from the middle of the Jordan, as Hashem had charged Joshua. And they took them along with them to their night encampment and deposited them there. Joshua also set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan, at the spot where the feet of the Kohanim bearing the Aron Habrit had stood, and they have remained there to this day. The Kohanim who bore the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until all the instructions that Hashem had ordered Joshua to convey to the people had been carried out. And so the people speedily crossed over, just as Moses had assured Joshua in his charge to him. And when the people finished crossing the Ark of Hashem and the Kohenim advanced to the head of the people, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh went across armed in the van of the Israelites, as Moses had charged them. About 40,000 shock troops went across at the instance of Hashem to the steps of Jericho for battle. On that day Hashem exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, so that they revered him all his days, as they had revered Moses. Hashem said to Joshua, Command the Kohenim who bear the ark to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the Kohenim, Come up out of the Jordan. As soon as the Kohenim who bore the ark came up out of the Jordan, and the feet of the Kohenim stepped onto the dry ground, the waters of the Jordan resumed their course, flowing over its entire bed as before. The people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken from the Jordan. He charged the Israelites as follows, In time to come, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of those stones? Tell your children, Here the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry land. For Hashem your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed, just as Hashem your God did to the Sea of Reeds, which He dried up before us until we crossed. Thus all the peoples of the earth shall know how mighty is the hand of Hashem, and you shall fear Hashem your God always.
Luke 14, 7 to 35. And he, Yeshua, put forth a parable to those which were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief room, saying to them, When you are bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than you be bidden of him. And he that bade you and him come and say to you, Give this man his place, and you begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when you are bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you shall have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with you. For whosoever exalts himself shall be abased, but he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Then said he also to him that bade him, When you make a dinner or a supper, call not your friends, nor your brethren, neither your kinsmen, nor your rich neighbors, lest they also bid you again, and a recompense be made you. But when you make a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and you shall be blessed. For they cannot recompense you, for you shall be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he to him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see to it. I pray, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded, and yet there is still room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said to them, If any man comes to me and hates not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. 
Or what king, going to make war against another king, sits not down first and consults whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that comes against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an an ambassador and desires conditions for peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost his flavor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Psalm 80, 1-19 Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you that lead Joseph like a flock, you that dwell between the cherubims, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your strength, and come and save us. Turn us again, O God, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You feed them with the bread of tears, and give them tears to drink in great measure. You make us a strife to our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the heathen and planted it. You prepared room before it and did cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the bows thereof were like the goodly cedars. She sent out her bows unto the sea, and her branches unto the river. Why have you then broken down her hedges, so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? The boar out of the wood does waste it, and the wild beast of the field does devour it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven, and behold, and visit this vine, and the vineyard which your right hand has planted, and the branch that you made strong for yourself. It is burned with fire, it is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of the right hand, upon the Son of Man, whom you made strong for yourself. So will not we go back from you. Quicken us, and we will call upon your name. Turn us again, O Lord of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Proverbs 12, 27-28 The slothful man roasts not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. In the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. I want to speak to you today from Joshua chapter 3 and 4, and then we're going to jump into Luke 14. 
And in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it is written, And Joshua said to the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow Hashem will perform wonders in your midst. Let me give a little bit of context to these two chapters. This is almost a repeating pattern, because when the Hebrews first left Egypt and they came to the Red Sea, they were being hotly pursued by the Egyptians, and they were desperate. And God did a miracle, and the waters of the Red Sea opened up and parted, and they crossed over. And then, of course, when the Egyptians pursued them, the waters came down upon them, and they were drowned. So now 40 years of wandering in the desert have come to an end, and Joshua is the new appointed leader. And now they're at the Jordan River, and God is giving him instructions, and he's telling him, that there's going to be an amazing miracle that will happen, and that because of this miracle, the people will greatly revere him and honor him and respect him the way they did Moses. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse that I read reads as follows. Joshua instructs the people to sanctify themselves as Hashem will perform miracles for them Typically, miracles require a partnership between God and man. Though ultimately Hashem performs the miracle, He expects us to do our part to merit His acting on our behalf. Hence, the children of Israel need to prepare themselves spiritually and physically in order to merit the miracles of the parting of the Jordan and the victories in the conquest of the Promised Land. In our own era as well, the partnership between man and Hashem has resulted in the rebirth and flourishing of the state of Israel. As a result of God's blessings, together with man's hard work, the desert literally blooms, the economy grows, the army defends, and the nation continues to absorb countless immigrants from the four corners of the earth. As in the days of Joshua, The fulfillment of these miracles has demanded both spiritual and physical effort by human beings. Now let's look at verse 10 and 11. By this, Joshua continued, you shall know that a living God, Hashem, is among you, and that he will dispossess for you. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. The Aron Brit, the Ark, the sovereign of all the earth, is advancing before you into the Jordan. And verse 13. When the feet of the Kohenim bearing the Ark, the sovereign of all the earth, come to rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan coming from upstream will be cut off and will stand in a single heap. Now let's just think about this for a moment. If you could go back to that time and actually be there and witness what happened. You're one of the people and you're going to watch these Kohenim, the priests that are carrying the ark on the poles on their shoulders as they step into the water. The moment their feet get in the water, the waters heap up a great distance upstream and a wall forms and the water stops flowing. It completely defies the laws of physics. Because God is the one (laughs) 
who makes the laws of physics, and he's the one who can bend those laws. To know that the actual God of the universe, the God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of Israel, is with you as you cross this river. What a powerful, powerful moment. Crossing the Red Sea and also crossing the Jordan River is a picture of going through an immersion, or a baptism, or a mikvah. It is also a picture of a baby that is being birthed, not an individual, but at the birth of a nation. And and when a baby goes through the birth process, it goes through the birth canal. And just before it begins going through the birth canal, the water bag breaks. The water bag breaks. And then the baby begins to move down the birth canal and the labor pains begin. So this is uh, the birth of a baby, a nation, leaving Egypt, leaving the wilderness of wanderings for 40 years and now going into the promised land. Continuing on, let's look at verse 16 and 17. The waters coming down from the upstream piled up in a single heap a great way off at Adam, the town next to Zarathon, and those flowing away downstream to the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, ran out completely. So the people crossed near Jericho. The Koinim who bore the ark stood on dry land exactly in the middle of Jordan, while all Israel crossed over on dry land, until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Now, there's a term that we sometimes use in the Hebrew Roots community, and that's called crossing over. And what is meant by that term is, when was the time in your life, the moment in time, the event, when you personally came out of the mainstream Christian world and crossed over to embrace the Hebrew Roots of the Christian faith. How did that happen for you? When did that happen for you? How did God make this known to you? When did you cross over into Hebrew roots? And it's a little bit like this journey of leaving Egypt behind and crossing over through the Red Sea to the other side, or crossing over through the Jordan River from the east side over to the west side of the Jordan to go into the promised land. So our faith is a journey. It's a journey. And many of us do start in the mainstream Christian world. But then a remnant, not all, a remnant cross over into the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. Continuing on now in Joshua chapter 4. Let's look at verse 20. And Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken from the Jordan. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Joshua establishes a monument from twelve stones taken from the Jordan, each representing one tribe. Rabbi Shlomo Aviner notes that this monument represents the unity but not uniformity, of God's people. There are twelve individual stones, which symbolize the diversity of the tribes, but the stones are not scattered, 
Together they form a unified monument. This unity but not uniformity is one of the keys to Israel's success. Israel is an extremely diverse country, yet her people have unified to create a society that is truly a light unto the nations. And notice that it's 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes. Now, Judah is one of the 12 tribes, and Judah is represents the Jewish people. But there's also Manasseh, and Ephraim, and Zebulun, and Levi, and, and all the other tribes as well. And so, um, the children of Israel are composed of all 12 tribes, northern kingdom and southern kingdom. So it's not Jews only. There's also the rest of the tribes of Israel that are not Jewish. Okay, and finally, let's wrap it up with verse 24. Well, let's start with verse 23. For Hashem your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed, just as Hashem your God did to the Sea of Reeds, which he dried up before us until we crossed. Thus, all the peoples of the earth shall know how mighty is the hand of Hashem, and you shall fear Hashem your God always. And so the purpose of this miracle was to show the mighty hand of God, and so that all the people of the earth would see that he is mighty. And so it's a picture of crossing over. So I just encourage you to take a moment to reflect on how you came to cross over into following the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, into following all of the Bible and not just the New Testament. How did that happen for you? When did that happen for you? How did God bring you down that path? If you'd like to share your story, I invite you to communicate. You can reach me at bridgeconnector at startmail.com. That's bridgeconnector at startmail.com. Now let's jump into Luke chapter 14. And we have a parable here that Yeshua is sharing. And often he would speak in parables. Because remember, the Bible, the Torah, is in code. And speaking in a parable is speaking in code. And so we want to decode and dig deeper to find out the deeper, richer meaning of a parable. So in Luke 14, starting in verse 17, he actually starting in verse 15, he talks about a certain man who has a great supper. And he invited many to come to the supper. And the ones who were originally invited all had excuses. Um, The first said, I just bought a piece of land. I must go to and see to it. Another says, I just bought five yokes of oxen and I need to go see to them. Another says, I just got married. I cannot come. And so they all had excuses. They were all too busy to come to the supper. Now that's one thing I'll I'll point out, is that sometimes when God is doing something huge and enormous and special and wonderful and different and something new, 
people don't have eyes to see it. People don't have ears to hear it. And people are too busy with their daily lives to even take time to notice. Think about how Moses turned aside to see the burning bush. What if he had been so focused on his task of climbing and walking and journeying that he never even looked at it? He was too busy. But he turned aside to look and to see this burning bush. We need to be careful not to be so busy and caught up in our tasks that we don't turn aside to see what is God doing. Oh, he's invited me to a supper. I better go. So then the man who made this great supper tells the servant, well, he got angry and he tells the servant, go out into the streets and the lanes and bring in the, hith- bring in the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the halt, the lame. And so the servant comes back and says, Lord, that's done, but there's still more room in your house. And so then he tells him, well, now go to the highways and the byways and invite them until my house is full. And that none of those which were originally invited shall taste of my supper. What is this supper? It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And what he's saying is that a lot of the people who were originally invited to that supper will not be there. So let's just think about that for a moment. Let's apply that. What about deacons and elders and choir members and and Sunday school teachers and all the people who go to church regularly and that's their lifestyle? Are they going to be at the wedding supper of the Lamb? What about the drug addicts, the homeless, the single moms, the orphans, the widows, the deplorables, the unemployed, the sinners? Will they be at the wedding supper? It just depends. Depends upon our heart. And if we are looking for him and listening to him and responding when he speaks to us, being prepared and ready to go to the supper when it's time to go, may we not become too busy and too entrenched in our routines and our schedules and in our tasks that we miss the voice of the Lord. He goes on to say, what does it mean to be a disciple? And he goes on to say in verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. We have to be willing to forsake all that we have. Homes land, property, bank accounts, family, everything comfortable. We have to be willing to forsake it all to follow him wherever he leads us. I mean, literally. 
So this is something to ponder and reflect on. What are we hanging on to and clinging to for safety and security that we need to let go of so we can truly follow him? Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.